Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Mike Acker is an executive and communication coach, a keynote speaker, and the author of four books, including the best-selling Speak With No Fear. It has appeared on numerous book lists, and it has even been designated as the number one book on overcoming fear of speaking on Forbes.com. Today, we welcome Mike to the show, who's going to talk about speaking with no fear for all of our business owners out there. This is something essential to your job. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Denise, thank you so much. I'm super excited about being on your show, speaking to your audience, and bringing that value of confidence and communication to everyone listening. So you frequently write, where you are is not where you stay. Tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. So there's this idea in mind that there's certain things that we just have that we are stuck with. And it's just not true. And over and over again, in my coaching with people, my speaking, my writing, in my own life, I've seen that just because you are in a spot where communication is not your strength, it doesn't have to be that way. Over and over again, this mantra has been my life mantra that when I was stuck um, alone and didn't know anybody, I was able to not just stay there, but get out and make friends in, in a whole other environment when I lived in Mexico. When I was in my 20s in this kind of a small town neighborhood, wondering about where I was going to go with my career, my career didn't have to stay in small town mentality. And, and likewise, in communication, that a lot of people I'm talking to, they're like, Mike, I just, every single time I go to that spot where I have to speak, I just get so nervous and anxious, or I just don't feel great about it. I'm like, well, I get it. Where you are right now, it's not where you have to stay you can move forward in this journey. So it's my huge encouragement for me to believe in someone else. Sometimes we just need someone to believe in us. And this is my belief statement in others. I've experienced it and now I do it for others. You know, it's really funny that you mentioned confidence in, in, in that context. I see this a lot. And while I get nervous speaking in front of people, it's a nervousness that I'm able to overcome. However, I have this insane nervousness with karaoke that I cannot <laughs> overcome. It is, it is, I, I, I kind of liken it to the same thing. You're putting yourself out there, whether you're speaking or singing. So talk to me about the, the confidence concept, because you mentioned something about two weights. Can you share that with me? Yeah. Well, there's actually two thoughts that come from what you just said. Often when you're doing a karaoke type performance, you get the, the stage anxiety, it's the performance anxiety. It's because you have to be someone other than you are off stage. And so you're trying to summon up a different persona. And when you do that, you're thinking to yourself, what do people think about me? So even in my book, Speak With No Fear, one of the most popular strategies is it's not about you. So when you get up there to entertain people on karaoke, Denise, or when I get up in front of people to speak to them about a certain topic or a business leader gets up there to encourage their employees or make a pitch, often we're thinking, what do they think about me? 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 Which is just an, an awful recipe for us to be more anxious. 
Mm-hmm. It's like when you're in middle school and you go to a middle school dance. I learned in middle school that everybody goes in and all the girls are thinking, what are the boys thinking about me? And all the boys are thinking, what are the girls thinking about me? And then they're thinking about that with their own gender as well. Well, I realized with my buddy that no one was thinking about us. They were thinking about themselves. So if we could have our eyes on them, we could then win the stage. We could then woo the room. And it was an amazing discovery I found that if when we're speaking, when we're performing, we're not thinking, do people like me? Instead, we're thinking, how can I help them? It shifts the mindset. And now I'm not worried about people laughing at me. I'm not worried about this. I'm there to entertain. I'm there to inspire. I'm there to sell. I'm there to whatever it might be. So that was my first thought on your karaoke story right there. So next time you go karaoke, see what happens when you think, how can I entertain them instead of thinking, will they like what I have to do? So I'll have to try that for sure. Easier said than done, but (laughs) it does work, especially when we're bringing value to people. The second part, when we talk about the two weights, is when we're on stage, there's a persona that we often think we need to develop. In fact, I was just working with a client today in Canada. She said, I'm going into these business meetings. And the moment she started speaking as if she was going to these business meetings, she changed her persona. She changed the way she came across. She changed the way that she thought she should behave. And that's how it happens in the corporate world, in the business world. We have this idea of, okay, this is what I'm like when I'm a baseball dad or when I'm at home with my kids or when I'm going out on a date with my spouse. And then this is what I'm like. And this is what I'm supposed to be like when I'm on stage making this pitch or doing whatever it is in front of people. And so we have this idea, whether it's from a mentor or just we've cultivated from TV, whatever it might be, we have this idea of what a corporate communicator, business communicator should look like. So we try to model that. But often that person that we're trying to become is not very close to what we are actually doing and what we actually would do in and of ourselves. So I call this the two weights. When you get up in front of people, you're always carrying two weights. So if you think about this, like a front lateral raise, where you take both hands and you extend them perpendicular to your body out and away from yourself. In one hand, you have the weight of content, whatever you're trying to communicate, whatever you're talking about. So if I'm asked to talk about thermonuclear, see, I don't even know that weight is so far from my body that, that it's not, it's not natural to me. It's very foreign. It's very far away from me. Now, if I'm asked to talk about my my own personal family, well, that's super close to me. I know that extremely well. I know that extremely well. If I'm asked to speak about some topic, like I was invited to speak on emotional intelligence, well, I know that pretty well. But at one point in time, I didn't. It was further out. So the more we know the content, the closer or further away it is to us. If we're going to get up in front of people and we're holding our content far away, we barely know what we're talking about then with reason, it's going to be very nerve wracking to us. It's like that front lateral raise. If you put 10 pounds in your hand and you extend it away from your body, what's going to happen? It's going to begin to shake. Now, 10 pounds right next to your chest, not an issue at all. I mean, you could hold a 10 pound um, whatever and just right next to your chest for, for an hour, two hours, three hours. I mean, moms carry babies that weigh more than 10 pounds and they'll carry it for hours, right? No problem next to them. You carry that baby away from you, like the baby's throwing up on you. Then all of a sudden that weight gets really, really, really heavy. So the weight of content is obvious. 
the less you know the content, the heavier it is, the further away from your body, the more shaky you'll get, the closer to your body it is, the easier it's going to be. But there's another weight as well, and it's the weight of persona, the weight of personhood. And it's exactly what I told you about. The more I am true to myself, that's me carrying that 10-pound weight close to my chest. But if I'm trying to be this super uber professional sounding person or a person who comes across like my mentor or like what I picture an executive to be, then that weight is getting further and further away from my chest. So when we speak, if we want to reduce our anxiety, reduce our shakiness, bring those 10 pound weights closer together, know your content really well, know what you're saying, be an expert matter in that and in the way it's organized, but also make sure that you're bringing your persona, your personhood, and you're really being true to yourself. You're not trying to be like someone else. In the book, I talk about a guy named JP. And before, before we really got started on his speech, JP was gregarious. He's funny. We're just having a great time joking. And then I said, okay, JP, go in and give me the, the talk. And the moment I did that, he switched and his whole demeanor changed and he became very erect and he looked straight ahead and he dropped his smile and he, he starts talking. It was very boring. I said, whoa, what just happened right there? You became a whole different persona, a whole different personhood is what happened to you. You, you took something else on and you need, you need to stop that, drop that, be you in this environment, be a good version of yourself, but be you. So that's the two weights, weight of content and the weight of personhood. The closer you have it together, the less shaky and nervous you'll be. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I had a lesson in that same authenticity about appearance. There was someone that I admired greatly, and I still do admire, and many things about her I would love to emulate. But I also had mentioned to one of my counterparts, um, we were all members of NABO, National Association of Women Business Owners. And I'm like, I would really like to look like her. You know, she's got these sharp business suits that she wears. And they're like, that's not you at all. You know, you're this curly haired person that, you know, sometimes your hair is a little wild. Sometimes it's tame. It does its thing and it doesn't seem to bother you. And, you know, you're, you're more of a, you know, you dress professional, but you're relaxed that's not your style. And I'm a very relatively plain dresser. I mean, I don't wear a lot of makeup. I don't wear a lot of jewelry. And, you know, that authenticity, they're like, that wouldn't be you. That that wouldn't be natural to you. So I appreciate exactly. that you, you, you said that there. And I love the analogy of the weights. That was absolutely perfect. So in your book, I believe you talk about some strategies for conquering fear. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So I give seven strategies. And what I love about this, I mean, these come from my own life. And then I was teaching them to people. I was teaching them for years and just helping people overcome their nervousness and such. And one of the things that has really helped me as a coach and a speaker is that I'm not one of those people who just came out of the womb ready to speak. In fact, I had a speech impediment. My mom had to work with me a lot to overcome my own inability to get up in front of people when I was a kid. And I had to do it again in Mexico and then again in the United States when I had to reacclimate, reacculturate myself when I moved back to the United States when I was 18 years old. So over and over again, I had to employ these strategies and stuff I learned from outside, stuff I just put together in my own self and I was able to teach. And so I walked through and UBU is one of them. Bring that personhood nice and close. It's not about you is another one. Get up there thinking about how you can bring value instead of how, how people can like what you're doing. 
one of my favorites is uncover and clean the wound. And, and this one is, this one is probably, probably relevant to about 60% of the people that I work with. Cause not everybody has a speaking wound. Many people will say, you know, Mike, I didn't even realize I had one. Some will say, Mike, you know, I read that chapter and it just didn't, didn't really hit. I don't think of any time where I was up in front of people and was really embarrassed. But then there's been some people who have said, oh my gosh. In fact, one person, it was just an absolute honor. She went through a program with me for a one-year communication program. And at the end, she was given the review of our program and she was moved to tears. And she said, I didn't even realize that I had a wound that, that was that deep. And so many people have these different types of wounds, whether it was they got up in front of people and they were made to feel stupid or they heard themselves and they didn't like what they heard. And, and now they shy away from it. And that wound from those, those upbringing years, those middle school, high school, college years can, can resurface. Well, I don't want everyone to look like a fool again. And so we try to change persona because one thing that's interesting about persona, if you change a persona and you are someone else and people don't like that person, well, at least it's not you that they don't like. And so some people actually try to be someone else and almost dealing with the psychological damage of having been rejected at one point in time. Oh, wow. That's pretty deep. Yeah. Yeah. I actually tell people, Hey, it's not bad to go to a counselor. That <laughs> counselors are, are good. And if you have this ongoing anxiety and you can trace it back to some different things, go uncover and clean out that wound, go peel back the layers get rid of it because otherwise every some every time someone comes close and touches it you want to bite back and let's get rid of that what do you think about meditation do you ever recommend that your the people that you coach meditate it really depends meditation is can be thought of in two different ways filling your mind with something or emptying your mind so it really depends on what type of meditation you're thinking about i'm in the latter school of emptying your mind mm mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm more of the failure mind with one. And partly I have a really hard time of just really avoiding my own mind, but there's all kinds of different ways to center yourself. So I'm a person of prayer. Some people like to do nature, uh, breath, but whatever it is that calms your mind, whether focusing on something like an affirmation or whether getting rid and just feeling the peace around you. Absolutely. Centering yourself is crucial in, in so many different areas. Think about like a sport. What does a baseball player do, a baseball pitcher do when he's about to throw the ball? He centers himself, essentially. He takes a deep breath, gets that power, and then throws. And so whatever we need to, to, to do to center ourselves. Only problem I'd say is this. Don't do something that you're not used to doing that you've tried off stage. <laughs> don't try a new technique to center yourself right before speaking. If it's not something that you've already found centers you and brings peace to you off stage, otherwise you might end up just <laughs> getting more flustered or getting more frustrated. And what other kinds of things do you suggest to folks when, you know, they're getting ready to speak? Cause I know there's some things in your book specifically that you'd make suggestions for. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I talk about in, in the speak and getting getting ready to speak is channeling the power that you do have nervousness coming through you. And that's okay. In fact, I've never spoken and maybe that's too strong, but I, I rarely speak with, with, 
with a complete void of fear or nervousness, anxiety. So if you go from a zero to 10 on level of anxiety or, or nervousness in speaking, I would encourage most people to stay at a one or two because on the flip side of nervousness is energy. And you don't want to be that non-energetic speaker that you just, you're so whatever it might be that you just have no fear, no anxiety. You want some energy. So one of the strategies I talk about is how do you channel the power and that you can take this negative energy and you can actually use it for good. Almost any Broadway play or live performance, you're going to see a great energy and it's what people love. And it's why we love live shows because they have that nervousness. They have this, this anxiety that could derail them, but instead they, they turn it around to use it for good. And I, I talk about that in the book. And I even give some very practical actions like how to breathe in the right way so that you channel it, channel it for, for energy. But you never want to get to a zero. And the only time you ever get to a zero, in my opinion, doing this for a long time, the only time you can get to a zero of a fear of nervousness, anxiety, is when you're either apathetic or arrogant. If you're arrogant, you think, man, I'm just God's gift to everybody. They should just listen to me. I'm the best. Any, well, I mean, why are you not tuning in? Share everybody with the world because I'm just amazing. I don't, I don't need to be nervous because I'm just awesome or apathetic. You know, I just don't really care. I'm getting paid or I'm here. I'm a guy I do as part of my job. And so this is the person, the apathetic person gets up there and is like, all right, guys, so here's what's going on. And here's the business meeting. Usually they're boring because they're bored and they just don't care. The arrogant person might be all kinds of skill. And now I'm going to and, and wow you with your performance. But every time that you are drawn in, it just bolsters their arrogance. So those people might not have any nervousness at all, but also they're not the type of people that we really want to be drawn to or learn from. We, we might be able to take some nuggets away from them, but it's not going to be the type of communicator that we connect with. So I'd rather have someone who's authentic, who's passionate, and who takes their one, two, three, maybe even four or five levels of nervousness and channels it around for powerful energy that really connects and thrills and, and brings the audience on a roller coaster. Perfect. So I'm a business owner and let's just say I have no desire to get out there on stage and speak to people. Tell <laughs> me how, tell me how this could benefit me. What are, how can I apply it practically? Yeah. In my business? So much of the book is just about being human and just about being in a relationship with one another. So it's not about you. And, and you do this very well, Denise, just in our conversation, you, you make it very much about your guest right away. And you know that if you're thinking about digital, virtual, or virtual business support, it's all about the other, it's all about the customer. It's, just, it's built right into the verbiage right there. And, and no business leader is going to survive very long if they make it about them. And yet we often do. What do people think about us? What do people think about us? What do people think about us? Turn around, pause. What can you do for others? So that, that strategy right there, it's not just about communication. It's just about being a good human. It's just about turning the arrows of our life outwards instead of how it all comes to us. Uncover and clean the wound. I mean, this one even goes into finances. If you got a bleeding business and you're bleeding money, where's the wound? Where are you cut? Where's, where is it bleeding out? So what's interesting about these principles is that they're very much tailored towards speaking. 
And that's relevant as well, but they're also much larger than that. And a lot of people have written reviews on Amazon. It's got something like 475 reviews or something on Amazon. And, and people have said, this isn't just about public speaking. It's about life. And a lot of people have said some really nice things. Some people have said some really mean things, <laughs> but it's not about me. <laughs> so it didn't help that. No big, no big deal. But regardless of whether you're taking the uh, principles and applying for business, they still should be applied to speaking. Every business leader has to speak. Every business leader has to speak to their customers, to their to their employees, to their their sources, wherever it is, you're in conversation and these principles can be applicable. For example, one of the strategies is speak to one as if you're speaking to, or speak to many as if you're speaking to one. And the idea is this, when you go into a room, you often will make generalizations and speculations about a crowd. Okay, there's 30 people in here, or there's 3,000 people here, or there's 50 people here, or five people here. And so you group all of those individuals into one large crowd. Well, crowds are scary. Large groups of people are are scary because well, there's all kinds of different things that happen. Their club, uh, crowd mentality takes over. And you never know when the crowd turns against you. But individually, most people are not. I was just reading about this African-American man who has befriended 300 KKK members and um, led him out of KKK. And it's just an incredible story, but he did it one-on-one. My guess is he never went in front of all 300 and tried to appeal to them because crowd mentality would have taken over. But he went one-on-one making these friends and they turned in their gowns, their capes, their hoods to him. Powerful. And that's the story of what can happen one-on-one. So he treated the crowd like one and was able to win them over. When we do that, we can win people over. Instead of saying, I'm speaking to five people here, I'm speaking to Denise and John and really thinking through the type of individuals that are in the group, in the crowd, instead of just making a generalization or speculation about what that crowd might be. So that's pertinent to business leaders because you're not just working with one person, you're working with many people and treat them as individuals, not as a type of person or a generalization really try to find out what makes that unique person tick. Wonderful. That is great information there. Now, as we're closing up the podcast here, how can people get your book and learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So my book, Speak With No Fear, is all over the place. And it's on audio. It's hardcover. It's soft. It's It's got everything. Ebook. Go on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or Walmart. If you just type in Speak With No Fear, Mike Acker, you'll find it. If you just type in Mike Acker. And if you want to find me, mikeacker.com will lead you right to my page, my, my business page, myself. You can find a contact there. You can set up a consultation. We can work on your public speaking or we could do something elsewhere. So we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to get the book in your hands. At Speak With No Fear, Mike Acker. Mike, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Denise. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.